This is your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 160 with guest Elizabeth D'Alto. As a leader, are you looking for something bigger for yourself? I'm a huge fan of Seth Godin's work, and I want to tell you about his Alt-MBA workshop. It's an intensive leadership and management workshop designed for change makers who have a fire in the belly. This is for people who are itching to level up and make a bigger impact. Four times a year, the workshop brings together over 100 leaders, people from different industries and areas of expertise. The end result, you're surrounded by other leaders who are moving to the top of their respective fields and helping to support each other to become stronger, cross-functional change agents. It's not about passively learning. It's about actively putting newfound concepts into practice until they become habit. The idea is to drink from the fire hose and rewire your brain to make new, better habits and have the platform to practice those habits. Over a thousand alumni have been through the Alt-MBA. And by the way, there are no lectures in this program, no videos. It's rolling up your sleeves and working in groups with people who are equally in it to win it. They're now accepting applications for their upcoming session. To find out more, visit altmba.com forward slash your kickass life. And please tell them I sent you. This is the Your Kickass Life podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey, Ass Kickers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so excited to have you here and grateful that you are listening again. And Elizabeth D'Alto is here for the second time on the show today. We are talking about some really juicy topics. I'm excited for you to hear this interview. And before we get started, I wanted to tell you about a free workshop she and I are hosting next week. Well, honestly, she's going to do most of the talking for all of you, and I'll be more of her sidekick, but she's created this online workshop specifically for you, my ass kickers, the Your Kick-Ass Life audience. And I love these type of workshops because in these live workshops, we get to interact with you, and I will be also giving away a signed copy of my book during the workshop. It's on August 27th. You can go sign up for free at yourkickasslife.com forward slash Elizabeth. Another reason I love these workshops is because they're more like tried and true practical tools, kind of like a training, if you will. I hesitate to use that word sometimes because I'm like, oh, do we really need like training for our life. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I kind of think we all do. <laughs> the workshop is lovingly titled Four Things You Can Do to Clear Out the BS in Your Life and Be More Receptive to What You Actually Want. One of the many things I love about Elizabeth is that she's a master at teaching women how to be more in tune with their bodies, to trust themselves in order to create the life they want and a life that they love. I don't often promote other people's work, only if I know their work in and out. And I myself have seen a shift in my own life because of their work. And Elizabeth is hands down one of those people. And I consider her a mentor of mine on this particular topic. So I hope you can join us. Again, it's over at yourkickasslife.com forward slash Elizabeth to sign up for free, or you can just check the show notes, this episode to find it. All right. So without further ado, here is Elizabeth. 
Elizabeth, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to have you back. So you and I finally got to meet in real life, hashtag IRL, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it was it was glorious. It was everything I hoped and dreamed it would be. <laughs> I got to hear your infectious laugh in person <laughs> and I got to see your awesome leggings. Yeah, I you rock do, those things. You do have some awesome leggings. <laughs> <laughs> Can't help myself. <laughs> but I'm I'm super stoked to have you back on because I was telling people in the intro to like full transparency, we're going to be talking about a free workshop slash webinar that you have going on that I am kind of doing with you for specifically for my people. And we're going to talk about some of the topics that you're covering in that workshop. Yeah. So let's start. You have a program called Wild Soul Movement. And one of the topics you cover is all about surrender and release. And that is a hot topic over here at your kick-ass life. So selfishly, I want to start there because this is like the hardest one for me. (laughs) And what I hear, you know, asking for a friend that holds women back in my community (laughs) is that feeling of not being good enough and comparison. Holy shit. So how would someone use surrender and release to help themselves in that particular area? Yeah. So first of all, I think this is always one of the most important things I tell people first, when they hear the word surrender, one of the number one reasons why people resist it is because they think surrender means giving Giving up. up. Yeah. And it doesn't, this isn't like waving the white flag. Surrender is actually just about getting out of your own way. And so what we're surrendering and what we're releasing primarily in the context of what you just asked me is our attachments our attachments to the outcome, to the way it should be or the way it's supposed to be, how we think it must be to be valid, to be worthy, to be whatever, our attachment to needing things to look like someone else's. So, and I find, you know, whether someone is comparing themselves to whether they're entrepreneur or a brand and they're comparing themselves to other brands and entrepreneurs, whether they're a mom, I mean, I don't have kids, but I work with a lot of moms over the years, Andrea, and moms comparing themselves to other moms Mm -hmm. and shaming themselves because like they can't make the birthday cake that looks like the friggin' the animated movie characters, right? Like all these crazy (laughs) things that people find to compare themselves to you just those are all attachments those are all ways that we're judging ourselves we're judging other people we're placing value on things going this is better than or this is worse than so any of the shoulds and supposed tos and evaluations of what isn't isn't good enough that's what you surrender around that's when you have the awareness to go okay here i am again comparing myself up or down, whatever, because we do it on the other side as well. We feel superior. We find someone who's doing what we perceive to be a worse job than we are or whatever it is. We just got to let go of all of that because it takes so much energy. Mm-hmm. I love that. I don't even know if I've ever thought about it in that way. Just, well, it sounds like you're kind of like going back to basics. Like the root of it is the attachment. And I yeah. think if we could start there, we would alleviate all of the forward steps. Well, I shouldn't even say steps, like the falling down that happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. If, if you could just do that, think about and And that's what this whole podcast is about. It's like massive self-awareness. So there's another one for you all. So how does self-compassion fit into all of that? 
So what you just said, this is the perfect question to follow up with, because we can either when we observe all the awarenesses in the world is great, but it's not a full blown solution because we could be aware and choose to take the downward spiral anyway. Mm -hmm. Right. Which which we all probably have done. I have done that times. We've all had that like almost out of body experience where we're like watching ourselves going. (laughs) Why? Why is she saying that? Why is she doing that? This is no good can come from this. We've all done it. And then we have to clean up the mess later, but we just can't for whatever reason. And so, yeah, where the self-compassion comes in is really a lot of the self-talk around it, the dialogue that we're engaging in. Again, we can choose a downward spiral or we can choose an upward spiral. So when you give yourself the space to surrender and you allow yourself to release with compassion for yourself, with compassion for the other people involved, ditching also, so similar to attachment, but just a little more refined is the need to be right. Mm-hmm. We all have a lot of needs to be right around, again, the way things should be, the way it's supposed to be, where I should be right now, what I should have, what means this. And so when we can let those things go, we have the room to actually even be compassionate with ourselves because you can't really be compassionate at the same time that you're beating yourself up. Yeah. So you oh have God. to just be willing to not beat yourself up. So that's what are expressions of self-compassion? Gentleness is one of them. And it's not about letting yourself off the hook. Cause I think some people think when they're beating mm-hmm. themselves up that they're being accountable or responsible, but it's neither. You can acknowledge, you can own what you haven't done well, but then you got to do something better and be nicer to yourself in the process. Does that make sense? Yes. And it's, I think that there's layers to this and I want to back up for a second because I, that whole concept of wanting to be right, I think can trip people up so much. And then that's also where the element of surrender comes in. I think I probably told this story. I I told the story in my first book when I went through my divorce, when I was first going through my divorce, my ex-husband was like literally calling family meetings. He has a really big family and I was really close to all of them. So he was calling family meetings, you know, without me present, like literally calling family meetings and, and talking to everybody about our situation and saying lies about all of these things, like telling everyone I was mentally unstable. And I was furious and I'm like, how dare you? you drag me through the mud. And so I'm in my therapist's office and I am like, I think I'm going to draft like a group email and tell everyone. I had like this whole thing planned out of what I was going to do. And it sounded completely reasonable where I was trying to, I was going to defend myself. And she was like, do you want to make your way through this? Like, do you want to, (laughs) you know, like grieve this and, and move on? And I'm like, well, yeah, of course I do. And she's like, then don't do that. Like it's not helping you at all. And I don't know if I don't, I mean, this was over a decade ago. I don't know if she used the word surrender, but she, she asked me, do you, what's more important to you? Do you want to be right? Or do you want to be free? And essentially like I wanted both, but I couldn't have both. And I, and it was such a hard lesson in surrender and I wanted to control him. I wanted to control my reputation. I wanted to control the entire situation. It was one of those situations that was so completely out of my control, yeah. and which we're going to talk about that in a second too. But that surrendering to something that felt so awful to me and something that I felt like I deserved better. And sometimes we can't have that. It fucking yeah. sucks. And you know, you bring up such a good point, which is in those moments of wanting to be right, we're also usually making so many assumptions about who thinks we're wrong and why mm-hmm. are likely not even true because he might have been holding those meetings. But if that was his family and those were people who've like known him his whole life, a lot of those people probably also knew like when his 
shit was stinking, you know? Yeah. And so it doesn't mean that everyone was buying into it. But of course, when you're under attack, and again, this is one of those attachments, we're feeling like, oh, everyone is against me. Just assuming that everyone in that room was like on his side or whatever. (laughs) Right. Like lighting their like fiery torches are going to come after me. (laughs) Totally. But you had no facts to verify that. So that's another big part. And I know you want to talk about control too, but another big part about surrender and release is realizing where you're operating on assumptions and not fact, because that's another place where we waste a lot of freaking energy. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. And completely. And in that particular situation, and I know, you know, maybe some people are listening and thinking like of different circumstances in their life where the outcome does matter. In my particular situation, the outcome didn't matter. Like it didn't matter. This wasn't my family anymore. It just was a place for me to learn to surrender and release and forgive and have self-compassion. It was yeah. all sort of layered into one. But yeah, let's segue over into talking about control. And again, I mean, these are such juicy topics. Like one of my other huge, I make it no secret to my audience that control, well, and surrender and control are, are, they're like twin sisters. So how does one balance trying their best and what we call striving for excellence over here, which I think for some has elements of control and surrendering. So in other words, how does one not feel like she's just throwing in the towel? Well, here's the thing. You're not giving up. So you're still taking action. It's really about taking right action an action that is aligned with the outcome that you do want. So I know it's really paradoxical to be like, Hey, don't attach to the outcome, but like take actions that are aligned with the outcome Mm -hmm. that you want. (laughs) And you're allowed to want what you want. (laughs) You're allowed to want what you want. But the thing is this, it's about not being attached to the outcome coming to be in the way that you think it should. Mm-hmm. Because life will really surprise you. Life will throw you some curveballs that mess with you, and life will throw you some curveballs that like delight and surprise you as well. And when you're trying to control things all the time, you're not available for the delightful surprises. So one of the biggest things is to look at in terms of, you know, your course of action. Sometimes the action is to not do anything. And which is the surrender, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes the action is to not cling on to every single detail, not try to manipulate the conversation or get people on your sign, not to like meddle and see like what people are thinking or whatever. Sometimes it's to like step back, even if it's just for like a day or two sometimes, right? Like when you're so anxious, everything's hectic and you're just like gripping for anything that you could get a hold of. Sometimes the action is to take a step back and the discipline, right? To like maybe just let things unfold for a day or two and come back to it with some freshness after caring for yourself. So it's another big thing. I keep talking about like the energy exertion and the effort required to do the things that aren't helpful, like control depending. And so sometimes just like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to take a day off from engaging Uh with this thing Uh because then my mind can rest. My nervous system can like re-regulate itself at least a little bit. And then I can come back to it with some freshness that will help me. It's not about being rational, but will help me be clear and will help me be who I actually want to be and show up the way I actually want to show up. Not as this like mildly to massively crazy person who's just like really depleted right now. This particular topic of, you know, what you just explained and letting go of control and and things like that, I think conceptually it can get confusing for many. Do you have an example of 
what you might see a lot in your community about how to how to do just what you said? Yeah. So a lot of it comes up around relationship stuff. A lot I had of it a feeling comes up where it was going. <laughs> about I'm glad. people wanting to control others mm-hmm. or people wanting other people to be better than they actually are or behave differently. And my women, as I imagine your audience probably too, like they're all about the personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. And but that borders on overfunctioning, right? That borders on taking responsibility for things that like aren't yours to take responsibility for because you can only shoulder so much of other people's stuff in a way that's like, frankly, codependent, that's like not allowing them to even show you whether or not they could do things differently. So what I mean by that is it's looking at the enmeshments and the entanglements. So for example, say someone is having an issue with their mom, it might just be a matter of just like not taking the calls for two days. Uh Right. Or, or saying, hey, I need some breathing room on this. I actually did this back in 2014. I didn't talk to my mom for three weeks. It was... Do you usually they, talk to her like every other day or something? Not, I mean, every week for sure. Okay. You know, like two weeks doesn't go by without us talking. Mm-hmm. But back then, actually, it was much more frequent. And like something happened and it was just like a breaking point for me of being like, my mom is excellent, amazing, loving generous person, by the way. And there were just a couple of things where I realized, huh, I'm kind of giving her a free pass to like, talk to me a certain way or like take things out on me. She has a very high stress job where no one else in my life talks to me this way. And so I was like, you know what? This is unacceptable. She doesn't get a free pass just because she's my mom. Like I get to say to her, just like I would say to anyone else, like, Hey, that's not okay with me. We need to like rearrange how we communicate a little bit. Cause I'm not going to stand for it. And that was really hard. It was really hard for both of us. When I was ready to talk to her again, she actually wasn't ready to talk to me again, which was, so cool. And we came to this place of realizing where the breakdown was happening. And it's been much, much, much better and constantly improving ever since. So we both needed the space because for a lot of us, it's the emotion of the thing. Uh We can't think clearly. We can't use good judgment when we're super emotional. So to allow things to kind of simmer and clear out, So we could see them for what they actually are and connect with what we actually want out of the situation. It just gives us room to be honest with ourselves first and then with other people. Yeah, I uh, yes to all of that. And I think, too, what and I was I was thinking about like my own experience and I'm thinking to myself like because I am self-proclaimed control recovering control freak and I think one of the things too that has helped me so much if this is helpful for anyone listening when I find myself really even if it's just like not even trying to control yet with my actions but like judging other people like you could do this better and that's not how I would have done it and (laughs) that's like my step zero for controlling (laughs) it has really been helpful for me to just assume that people are doing their best yeah is that always what I would consider my best no I wouldn't all the time but I think it's it's really allowed me to take a step back and just relax and have peace around yeah. Because we could all use a little more peace in our lives, peace and ease. But just yeah. really assume that people are doing the best that they can. And, and, you know, when people hear about that concept, they sometimes balk at it. But I do, you know, and then it goes into, well, if people are doing the best that they can and that's crap and you can't control 
them and change them, then that's where boundaries need to be set, which is a whole nother yep. conversation. 100%. But I think that that's a, another way to sort of strike the balance between you can still strive for excellence and do your best in your own life, but also surrender to other people's stuff. And you know what? That comes back to the compassion piece, because when you do realize that someone is doing their very best and their best is crap, that's where the compassion arises. Cause it's like, man, this is, this is the best they've got right now. Mm-hmm. Whatever's going on for them must be pretty intense. If this is their best showing, you know? Yeah. I think about that when people are asshole drivers, yeah. I think like, wow, they have something going on. Cause anytime I'm like, and I'm no saint, but I'm a driver's <laughs> right. like, anytime I am like, you know, flipping the bird or anything like that, it's because I am stressed out to no end for some other reason that has really nothing to do with, the, with this person that just cut me off. Yeah. All right. Let's shift gears and talk about trust. Many of the women I talk to will admit to having trust issues. I just think you get to a certain age and stuff happens and then you have trust issues with either romantic partners and even in friendships, you know, when I dig a little bit further and then it's come to find out when I ask more questions, like they don't trust themselves either. So can you start with this topic by explaining what it looks like to not trust yourself? Because I think that that's a huge eye opener for many women. Yeah. So not trusting yourself is going to show up like this. You have a decision to make or a choice to make. And before you even take a moment to tune in with yourself and really discern what is right and true for you, you're going to be asking other people their advice and their opinions. Mm -hmm. And then that becomes confusing, right? The paralysis by analysis thing, or like the paradox of choice. And because you haven't even grounded into yourself first, then now you have all this excess information, you're extra confused and you're not tuning in with what's right and best for you. And so that's what gets people stuck. Mm -hmm. So for many years, actually, I just didn't get it. I was like, how do people get stuck all the time? It's just not something I experienced because I've always kind of naturally attuned to, well, like that doesn't feel right to me or that doesn't feel good to me. And categorically, right. I was better in some areas than others. So this is about, we hear a lot of talk these days, like with so much, like living in the digital age, living with the technology about needing to unplug. And I think it's also about just needing to plug into ourselves Uh more, even if it's just a little bit more than we're plugged into everything and everybody else. Does that make sense? Totally. And it's interesting. I was listening to Denise Duffield Thomas is a friend of both of ours, and she talks mostly about money issues for women. And one of the things that I was listening to the other day was she, and if anyone is an, even if you're not an entrepreneur, like maybe you have, maybe you crochet or something and you're like, I should sell this. How much should I sell it for? And she was talking about pricing and what she sees all the time is women asking for advice on how much should I charge for this? And what she said, it was so interesting. She was like, when you do this specifically around like asking other people how much you should charge for something, you're taking on all of their money shit. And totally. We, we talked about this last week or a couple weeks ago on the podcast about money mindset, but like, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be about money. Like if you're asking someone, should I go after this promotion at my job? And you know, you ask like five people, you might get like five different answers. And a lot of it is their answer is embedded in their own fears, their yep. own insecurities, their own experience. Yep. Some of it might be great advice, but I, I think that's so helpful just to think about that and ask yourself the question, are you, I know several women listening are nodding their heads and going, yes, I always have to ask everyone else around me and I second guess myself. 
Yeah. And also consider how many people you're asking that are not qualified to give you a valid give answer. You a good answer. Yeah. You know, like my mom has been an employee and an HR executive for many, many years. I don't go to my mom with entrepreneurial questions because she's never run a business, you yeah. know, like we don't necessarily, the mom's in there. You're not asking your friends without kids about, you know, what they would do for your parenting dilemma. It doesn't really make sense to be asking all kinds of people who haven't had the experience that you're having, unless, for example, if it's like a coach or something who like specializes in working with people in your situation, that makes sense. There just needs to be some kind of relevant experience and context because otherwise it's just opinions. Right. And, you know, back in the day, salt and pepper was one of my favorites. And in one of their songs, they say, opinions are like assholes and everybody's got one. <laughs> and I thought you were going to say they that, said, ah, oh, push it. <laughs> no, they said that too. They said a lot of great things. <laughs> they did. But then the other variation on that I've heard is like, opinions are like assholes and they all stink, which That's I don't true. necessarily believe in that, but a lot of them do. <laughs> just keeping it classy here today, Andrea, for your audience. I just wanted to. This is, this I, is my Speaking best. of assholes, I was just quoting <laughs> Team America World Police, the puppet movie. Did you ever see that? No. The, oh my God. You might, yeah, it probably came out. You might have been a little bit too young when it first came out because it was not for kids. And there's a monologue in that movie. I'll have to link to it because there's this this guy's at a bar and the puppet. He's at a bar and there's another guy and he's like, there's three types of people in this world. Dicks, pussies, and assholes. Dicks. <laughs> and it's just this whole monologue about the, oh my, and, and you're listening to it and it's just dying. Okay, I'll find it on YouTube, guys. Link in the show notes. Anyway, (laughs) we digress. We digress. (laughs) Totally worthwhile. Speaking of trust, and I just, I love this topic because I do think it's such an important one that doesn't get talked about enough. So you talked about unplugging. I actually did this just yesterday. I was, I have a lot of things going on right now. Like I have a lot of little projects and it mm-hmm. makes me feel like I need to multitask and multitasking sucks. But I stopped. I had like 30 minutes left in my workday when my kids were going to come home. And I was like, okay, what can I check off my list? And I'm like, you know what I need to do? I need to meditate. And I did yep. for 10 minutes. And it just, you know, it, like did the heavens open up and I got like a bunch of shit done after that? No, I didn't. But I, I do. I'm starting to realize by listening to people like you and other people that that is so important. So that's one way to start to just kind of tune into yourself, like you were saying. What Are there any other tips that you can give us about learning how to trust yourself? Yeah, but the biggest one, and I learned this from one of my mentors a couple of years ago, and I say this all the time, confidence comes from evidence. Totally. So mm-hmm. if you don't trust yourself, it's because your vision has been skewed for a lifetime on all the reasons why you can't trust yourself, you can't trust other people, or you can't trust that life actually does want to support you. And rightfully so. I'm not saying that to invalidate some crap experiences you, Andrea, or anyone listening has had. However, just allow your eyes to also see the results of times when you have trusted yourself and when you choose to trust yourself moving forward or the consequences of when you didn't trust yourself. So everyone listening, like this is an easy thing you could do, like just in your journal after you listen to the podcast is like make a list of times in your life when you had like a gut feeling or an intuition about something (laughs) and you ignored it. Yeah. And what happened? How'd that work out for you? How'd that work out for you? And for some people, it might be minor stuff that just like cost them some money or cost them a little more time in the long run. For other people, unfortunately, it cost them, it could have been like a dangerous situation. Like there have been studies where most women who have uh, incurred like some kind of attack, like violent or sexual attack, had a bad feeling before it happened. Yeah. 
And they I married someone that had a bad feeling about it. Like oh, my intuition man. was like loud and clear. Do not marry this person and married him anyway. And it exploded in my face. I've heard that so much. Like I've heard of like the bride standing there about to walk down the aisle feeling like I should not be doing this. Yeah. Like, yeah. But, and the thing is, if you're in that position, you've had that thought and you've had that intuition many, 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 many times before that. And that mm-hmm. was just like the last one. And you were like, well, it's too late now. Right. <laughs> so how do we not get to those too late now places anymore? You know, and it's by noticing over the course of time and really committing. If I have an intuitive feeling about something, I have got to give myself the benefit of the doubt that I can trust it. I might resist your logical, rational mind is going to lots of times these intuitive hits are going to be beyond logic. They're going to defy logic, actually. And you go, all right, let me just pull the thread. You're going to remember that loud Elizabeth D'Alto person on the York Kick-Ass Life person going, just listen to it. Give yourself the chance to gather the good evidence and see what happens. And sometimes immediately you'll see that it was the right choice. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time, but you gather the evidence. So reflect back on the consequences of when you haven't trusted yourself. And then also reflect on times when you did, because people have had those experiences too, of when they were like, this doesn't make any logical sense, but I'm just going to follow it. And really great things have come out of those choices. And again, it might not have been immediate. It might've took you on a little detour or a pivot, but it got you to where you wanted to be so that moving forward. And this kind of goes to like, this is why people make appreciation lists because what you appreciate appreciates Uh cheesy, but true. Now you start to track in real time the evidence to build your confidence that it's safe for you to trust yourself, that when I trust myself, good things happen. You just got to pay attention for it and track it and celebrate it when it happens so that, again, you start to build that muscle. That sounds like a really great mantra. It's safe for me to trust myself. I bet that's in Wild Soul Movement. Actually, yeah, it's safe for me to trust is the first mantra in the trust module. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. All right. So kind of shifting gears. Why do you say dreaming is so important? Ah, so good because so many of us, especially like you mentioned worthiness earlier, when we don't think we deserve things, we stop dreaming, which stops our intellect and the imagining faculty of our mind, which is so magical and useful. And I also believe keeps us young, but that's an entire other conversation. Sharp. And so if we're not dreaming because we don't think we deserve things, we're really creating a mental landscape that's going to be very, very limiting because we can only manifest or we can only attract if people are into the law of attracting and that stuff, what we can conceive of. And so dreaming allows you to just conceive bigger and be open to more possibilities, which means that you can see them when they present themselves. Because not all missed opportunities are like an offer came your way and you said no. A lot of missed opportunities are something was right in front of your face and you didn't even see it. Mm. Yeah. So what do you, okay. So what does that look like? What does dreaming look like? Like what does your dreaming practice look like? So I believe, so here's why in wild soul movement, we combine wild dreaming and desire. Cause I believe the desire, those are like the urgings from your soul, like the little whispers, the little seedlings that you get the desire. And then you're like, Oh, and then you can dream, blow that thing out of proportion, you know, like what could be possible and, and like operate under the idea. Well, what if everything was possible and like, let yourself dream well beyond your comfort zone, well beyond what you think is possible possible because then again you just open up your awareness to be able to see 
when things are actually possible or recognize the opportunities or whatever. So I love to journal. I journal a lot and I love to go and do things that get me actually in like the feeling state of the thing that I'm dreaming about. So for example, Mm -hmm. I was thinking about moving to Malibu, California. I'm in San Diego right now. And so I rented an Airbnb and I went up to Malibu for the weekend in May just to like be there to feel it out and be like, could I see myself living here? So that was like an active way of me dreaming was like going and being in the place and putting myself, giving myself a taste of the experience. Right? So if people, I know most people are like, who doesn't actually want to make more money? Cause the more you have, the more you can share whether it's for you or just to be able to do benevolent things in the world and help people is like, great. So every once in a while I'll go to like a fancy swanky, like hotel lobby to do some work. And I might not want to live my life like, you know, some of the people there, but certainly just being in the energy around and being in the environment of affluence certainly helps to calibrate my system for it. Or like going to open houses and walking through like the types of place you'd like to live in. Or this is what's cool about social media. I love, you know, dolphins and whales. Like one of my high priorities for travel is to visit like all the different oceans on the planet and swim with dolphins, swim with whales. So on Instagram, I follow a lot of like discover ocean or like we love dolphins or like these wildlife accounts and ocean life accounts. So I could be like, Oh my God, I didn't even know. Like I didn't know free diving was a thing. And so like three weeks ago where people are just like really train themselves to breathe for a long time underwater. So I follow a couple of these types of people and just see what kind of adventures they're going on because that is sparking ideas for what's possible for me. I also love like interior design. So I'll follow those things to be like, Oh my God, that thing looks really great on that kind of coffee table. So it could be really simple stuff. It could be really big stuff, but it just, again, is sparking the imagination, which helps me to dream about what could be possible. I love it. I love it. It sounds like you've got it down. I'm really good at this. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Well, I just have adored this conversation and you are actually, stay tuned, you guys, because Elizabeth is coming back next week. We're going to do a listener Q&A, so stay tuned. And also, you slash we have a webinar coming up called The Four Things You Can Do to Clear Out the BS in Your Life and Be More Receptive to What You Actually Want, which was what you were just talking about. It's totally free. It is on July 27th all of the details and you can sign up over at yourkickasslife.com forward slash Elizabeth. That will take you to the sign up page. Again, it is free and it's at what else? It's at seven o'clock Eastern for Pacific. So I know a lot of you have the regular nine to five jobs. So hopefully that's a better time for you than in the middle of the day. We're excited about this. Yeah. And we'll record it and we'll leave the recording up for a couple of weeks too. I know a lot of people can't make it live, so we'll leave that available for you. But if you can make it live, like we'll take live Q and a on that call too and stuff. So if you can make it try, but if you can't, there'll be a recording for you. Yeah. And I love how you do your workshops too. You're super engaged and there's, you know, when we talk to the people and it's not just like audience, quiet lecture yeah. mode. <laughs> it's way more fun than that. Way more fun. Yeah. But just real quick, let me whip through and tell everybody what exactly it is that you will learn on this webinar. So it's a couple of things, strategies for letting go of what holds you back with compassion and clarity. We talked about that a little bit here on this episode. See where you're giving away too much energy, time, and power. That's a huge one for women. Yes. 
Yes. And how to create more prosperity, joy, pleasure, and ease in your life. And again, yourkickasslife.com forward slash Elizabeth. And again, all show notes and a link to sign up for that free workshop is at yourkickasslife.com forward slash 160 for this show. Anything else you want to add? No, just thank you so much. These are such great questions. And for people listening, I just, we talked about a lot of stuff today. I would just like to remind people, don't be overwhelmed by it. Like pick the thing that really resonated the most for you, whether it was like, it made you the most anxious or it was like, got you the most excited, whatever it is, just like pick a place to start. Don't be overwhelmed by all of it because anything we talked about today really helps. It touches on all the other things. A lot of what we talked about, it's like very symbiotic. So yeah, I'm glad you said that because we did sort of jump around and we were talking about what we wanted to discuss on this one. You know, you gave me some options and I'm like, I think I just want to cover it all. So yeah, which is one of the reasons why we'll do the webinar. So we don't have to feel rushed and we can take our time and, you know, people can engage as well. So that's one of the reasons why we're setting that up for you guys too. I know it's a big conversation. Yeah. So it's at yourkickasslife.com forward slash Elizabeth. And thank you so much for being here, everyone. Thank you. thank you for listening and showing up for another episode. I will see you next time. And until then, I will see you out in cyberspace. Bye-bye. Hey, ass kickers, you know, it would help me out so much if you left a rating and review for this podcast. Your Kick-Ass Life podcast will always be free to you and to help me get more awesome guests and to spread the word. It helps tremendously if you leave a rating and a review. Now, they don't particularly make this super easy to do, so I'll help you out a little. If you're in iTunes and you're on your phone, when you are in the podcast app, you need to search for Your Kick-Ass Life podcast. I know, even if you're subscribed, this is how you do it. So when you search for it and you see it come up, click on the cover art, then towards the top where it says reviews, click that, scroll down a tiny little bit, and then click write a review. Stitcher is a bit easier if you're on Android. The easiest way I found to do this is to type into Google stitcher.com, your kick-ass life, and voila, my podcast should pop up as the first link. Scroll down and click write a review. That's it. Thank you so very much. You have no idea how much it helps me when you do that. All right. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.